Good morning. I want to say thank you to uh, Pastor Kayla for uh, leading us in the opening of our whole life series uh, last week while my wife and I took the weekend to go and uh, visit with our oldest son uh, over in Kankakee, Illinois. And one of the things that Kayla said to you last week that I hope you will uh, remember, uh, whether you're with us on campus or you were with us online, is that she asked you, as we started talking about beginning a whole life with love, to write down the name of someone you might need to forgive, uh, someone that perhaps hurt you, someone that perhaps has been alienated from you, someone who's done something, and you, in, in your life, you need to forgive them for that. And she asked you to pray about that through the week, and I hope you've been doing that. And I, I really want to encourage you to just let the Holy Spirit tell you when, where, and what to do with that situation. Because what Jesus was doing in Luke chapter 6, when he's preaching to this great crowd of people that included his disciples, is he's trying to show them what a whole life looks like. He's trying to show them what a life that is well-rounded, a life that is balanced, a life that is full of, of holiness and peace and health, what it really looks like. And so that's what we're trying to do these weeks now after Easter is that because of what Jesus did on Easter, uh, the fact that he was crucified for our sins and then that he was raised on the third day to show us that death is not the final destination, but it is simply a doorway into eternity and that eternity can be spent connected with God. The fact that he did all of that is to create within us a whole life, not a life that just someday will get, will get better. You know, that, that whole thing, I kind of grew up in the South, and there's this mentality, particularly in places like Appalachia and, and other places where it's like, well, you know, the world's just bad, and you got to live with it, but someday, someday we're going to go to heaven. In fact, one of my pastor friends used to say, some folks are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, all right? Uh, they're just always thinking about heaven, and they're not really realizing that, you know what? When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, Jesus conquered sin and death and hell, which means that if you allow him to live in your life, you have access right now to a wholeness, to a completeness, to a healthiness that the rest of the world will not understand. And yes, there will be some times that are difficult. And yes, there will be some times that are hard. But in those times, you can count on Jesus to be there for you. And as Jesus was teaching to this crowd of people, he begins to use some teaching techniques that are pretty, I think, pretty impressive. You see, a lot of times we say, well, yeah, Jesus told parables and Jesus gave commandments. But listen, Jesus also used something called hyperbole. Hyperbole is, is this exaggeration of the situation to the point of almost ridiculousness. I mean, for instance, you have heard people say something like this. I bought that and it cost me an arm and a leg. Really? I've never seen anybody take an arm and a leg for something. Or how about this one? I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. Uh, maybe, maybe not. You know, I, I mean, a whole horse? You know, maybe a pony? Uh, I mean, I, you know, I've been in some places in the world where they eat horse meat. Um, in fact, I was having lunch at, a, at, at a, a place, I won't mention the name of the country, with a friend who was from the Midwest, and he was absolutely convinced that the meat that they sold us as beef was not beef. And every time I would put my fork and knife into the meat and start to cut it, he would neigh like a horse, all right? And I'd cut it, eh, and I'm like, no, 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 come on, you can't do that, all right? Don't do that to me, all right? 
And, and, and so hyperbole is this way of making a point by saying something that is almost, to be honest with you, ludicrous. All, all, almost beyond description. For instance, in Luke chapter 6, listen to what Jesus said to this group of people. He said, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they nope, not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above their teacher, but everyone, when they are fully trained, will be like their teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Can you say to your brother, hey, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. <laughs> now, Jesus isn't talking here, I mean, literally, about a blind man leading the blind man into a pit. And he's not talking literally about the fact that you can't, you know, a, a student is not above their teacher. He's, he's talking in the context of the culture of the first century. And he's doing the same thing with this, this very dramatic thing. How can you try to take a speck of, literally the word is almost like dust, like sawdust, out of someone else's eye when you've got this log protruding from your own eye? Now, what is he trying to say? He's trying to use these situations of hyperbole to, to help them understand some teaching he's been doing, the teaching that, that Pastor Kayla was sharing with you last week, and, and then this teaching where he says, be merciful as I am merciful. I mean, to be real candid, Jesus is working hard with this hyperbole to help people understand the real truth of what he's been trying to say to them. Because we've all seen situations where we say like, well, that's the blind leading the blind. Or don't they know any better than that? Didn't someone teach them any better than that? See, when he's talking about the, the first century, you gotta remember that's a culture where there were, there were not books available, readily available to the general population. Oh, yes, there were books. There, there, there were scrolls in the temple and the synagogue, and, and there were other literary pieces being written, but the fact of the matter is the general person, the common person, didn't have access to that much. And so the way knowledge was passed down was that someone who had experience, someone who had an, an, a life where they had learned some lessons would then share the lessons with others, particularly rabbis with their disciples, with their followers. And the way you would learn the truth that would help you sustain your life was to learn from the experience of someone else. And that's why Jesus says, hey, listen, a student is not to be above their teacher. And now in the 21st century, when you can Google anything, when we have more information available to us than we've ever had in our history of humanity, the fact of the matter is still, it's still true. Yes, you may be able to find out more information than the people who have had more life experience than you, but can you find more wisdom? Can you find more experience? 
Can you find more situations where someone can say, hey, you know what? I had something going on like that in my life. This might not work for you, but, but, but it worked for me. And, and you learn from someone who actually has experienced what you've read about. I mean, when, when I was, uh, a few years ago, I, I took uh, a summer sabbatical and took my family to England. And um, my boys were in middle school at the time. Um, I, had, I had been to England once with a, with a church conference, spent 10 days on a bus with preachers and their spouses uh, touring Europe. That's scary, all right, but we did it. Went to all these different places. And, um, and then a few years later, I took my boys and I thought, you know what, I've been there once, once. I was there with a guide. I took good notes. I'll just rent a flat in London and we'll just do this ourselves. My boys to this day still talk about the fact that every 30 minutes for 10 days, I was like, do you have, do you have your passport? Do you have your passport? You didn't lose your passport, did you? You didn't lose your passport. Don't lose your passport. We've got to make sure the passport's how we get home. I was so worried about coming home that I forgot to enjoy the week. But while we were there, my oldest son, who is now a European history professor, was at the time a high school student who had this intense interest in history. And while other parents could take their kids on vacation and their kids would take them to places like, I don't know, Disneyland or Epcot or something like that. No, no, my oldest son was thrilled to be in London. And before we went, he researched everything in the city of London that was of interest to him. Wasn't of interest to his brother. One of interest to his mom and his dad, but it was of interest to him. And you know what we did for a week? We followed everywhere he went. Why? Because we didn't know anywhere else to go. But he had read all the pamphlets and he had had all the stuff. And, and you know what? He, he had prepared himself and he led us through that time frame. My point to you is this. There are some times in your life, in your walk with Jesus Christ, when just reading the book or listening to the tapes or what are the podcast? I just dated myself with that statement. Please forgive me, all right? But, but listening isn't enough. There has to be a time when you engage with a person and as the learner, you submit to the person who has been where you want to go and can share with you that truth. So Jesus is doing that when he's using these things and then when he talks about and, and he, he, I mean Jesus was not always serious I mean this is like a some people would say this is like a, a very funny statement to have a log in your eye I mean it's, it's hyperbole it's, it's, it's re, almost ludicrous no one has a, a log in their eye the human head is not capable of handling a log but I'll tell you what Jesus was saying he was saying listen there are times in your life when the things you refuse to see about yourself keep you from really being honest with other people. Um, he, the things that, that you have in you. You, you, you have the audacity to try to pick out a fault or a sin in someone else's life when the fact of the matter is you have this huge thing that you're denying in your life. And sometimes it may not even be that big. At least you don't, you don't think it is because here's what you, your mind does. Your mind plays tricks on you. 
And, and today, I, I want to ask you to experience this with me. I, we're we're going to do it, okay? Would you, would you, if you're on campus, if you're online with us today, if you're at home, you can do this. If you're driving and listening, do not do this, okay? But if you're on campus with us or you're somewhere safe, would you just take and would you hold your hand out in front of your face, just like by your arms? Like, there you go. Come on. There you go. It's, it's audience participation time. Here we go, all right? All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you, can, can you see the person? I mean, can you see me? You can see me, right? You can see me. Now, move your hand closer to your face. I go, y'all are all going away. I don't know where you went, but oh, you're still there. See, see the, the fact of the matter is, if you've got something in your life that's blocking your vision, what Jesus is saying when he says, hey, you need, is Jesus is trying to explain the teaching that he just gave earlier. Between the teaching that Pastor Kayla told you about last week on love and forgiveness, Jesus makes a statement. He, he says it in, in Luke 6, 26. He says this, be merciful as I am merciful. And then he launches into, and judge not so that you won't be judged. And condemn not so that you won't be condemned. But forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, spilling over in your lap. Now, most of you, if you've been around church or even in culture, you've heard this thing about a log and a speck. Most of us, if we've been in church, we've even heard that good measure, pressed down, shaken together. No, we've heard all of that, but here's the, have we ever heard it in the way Jesus meant to say it to the people? Because when Jesus said those things, he wasn't talking about you giving the church so much money so you can get money back. He wasn't like those TV preachers in the 1980s that used to send these things out in the mail. Send us a hundred. You send us ten dollars, God will bless you tenfold. You send me ten dollars, God's going to give you a hundred. I kept thinking to myself, if you really believe that, you'll send me ten dollars, so God will give you a hundred. But the fact is, that's not what good measure pressed down, shaken together is all about. It's not what a log in your own eye. And a speck in your brother's eye is all about. It's not about the blind leading the blind. It's not what that's about. It's not about teachers and students. No, no. no, what it's about is about mercy and grace and generosity. See, if you're going to check your vision, if you're going to have a whole life, then you've got to look at your life through the lens of a Savior named Jesus who came to die for your sins so that you could have life complete, whole, eternal. And in that life, you would be marked by these things, the things that marked his life. He said, be merciful as I am merciful. So if you're going to be merciful as he is merciful, what does that look like? And so Jesus just comes out and says, if you're going to be merciful, you're not going to judge lest you'll be judged. You're not going to condemn other people. Now listen, in 2023 in Western culture, this is like the most anti-culture thing you can do. Because right now the culture is all about, I'm right, you're wrong, let's fight. It's not about, oh, let's dialogue. Let's see if we can find common ground. It's not about love conquers. No, no, right now it's polarized. And you're either for me or you're against me. But there was this time when the disciples came to Jesus 
And they said, Jesus, we saw a man who was casting out demons in your name, and we made him stop because he's not one of us. And Jesus said, you know what? If he's not against us, he's for us. He's, he's doing our work. There's work happening you don't know about. And so what Jesus is saying in Luke 6, when he says, be merciful as, as I am merciful, is he's saying, you know what, look, if you want a whole life, it's going to be marked by these characteristics of mercy and grace and generosity. Because you see, a whole life is marked by mercy, which does not judge or condemn other people. It, 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 it's a mercy. Now, it's not, a, it's not a, a life that says, okay, everything is all okay. No, it just says it's not yours to judge. See, there is a judgment coming. God will judge people. In fact, Heather was referencing that John 14 passage, which is where Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit will come. And, it, and what the Holy Spirit's job is, is the Holy Spirit will come to convict us of our sins. See, it's not your job to convict someone else of their sins. It's not my job to convict you of your sins. It's my job to tell you about a God who sent his one and only son who loved you so much that he would die for your sins. That's what Easter is all about. That's why we celebrate it every year. That's why when we come into this place, we try to talk about who Jesus is because Jesus is the one person who has actually paid the price so that your sin, your failure, your heartache, your heartbreak can all be forgiven because he is merciful. It is his to judge. Yes, there will be judgment. Yes, those who fail will be condemned. The difference is this. It's not ours to do. It's his to do. See, here's the deal. The word mercy, the, the, the definition of the word mercy, I, I love this definition. Mercy means this. It means that you have the power, you have the resources to administer punishment to someone and it would be justifiable. It would be right. They have sinned. They have wronged someone. They have committed something that is against humanity. They are guilty. Mercy is not about, oh, I'm not guilty. No, no. Mercy is you're guilty, but get this. You're forgiven. The definition of mercy is you have the power to punish someone. You have the right to punish someone, but you choose even though you have that power not to do it. And you choose not to do it because it's not your job. It's the Holy Spirit's job because the Holy Spirit is a comforter and the Holy Spirit is a guide and he is the one who sustains us. But he is also the one who speaks to the heart of a woman, speaks to the heart of a man, no matter what their age, no matter what their language, no matter where they're from, and says to them, you need to consider the fact that there's a log in your eye. <laughs> you need to consider the fact that there's some stuff blocking your view, that your vision isn't clear. You need, you need to let me come in and set your soul right. I have the right to punish you, but I choose not to do it. That's 
mercy. And that's what Jesus did for you on a cross. That's what the Holy Spirit does for every one of us when he calls us in. So if we want a whole life, if we want a whole life, we need to hear these words from Jesus again. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Now that doesn't mean that that there won't be any condemnation ultimately, any judgment ultimately. It means that the more you live your life in mercy toward others, the more mercy you receive. Or to flip it, because you've already received the mercy of God through Jesus, then the call upon your heart is to extend mercy, not judgment, to the people who are just like you are. Because that little speck in their eye is not anywhere near what you're hiding in your own heart, the log that's in your own eye. But it's not just mercy. No, he, he, Jesus didn't just use this, these, these pieces of hyperbole to just talk about mercy. No, no, he, 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 used, he used them also to talk about grace. You see, a whole life is marked by grace which, condemn, which, which actually forgives. So when you're, when you're not judging and you're not condemning, your heart suddenly in that mercy begins to have the capacity to forgive people who have wronged you. That, that definition of grace, unmerited favor. The unmerited forgiveness. We've already determined that, that, there's, that there's this judgment that God has the right to do for us and he gives us mercy. But he also gives us this opportunity to, to be forgiven in, in order to forgive. Some years ago, I, 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 was, I was hurt deeply. I, I, I honestly... There was a guy I went to college with who said some things to me, about me, that wounded me deeply. And I carried those wounds with me for a few decades. I'm just being real honest with you. I mean, I, the things he said were not true. The, the accusations he made were false. But, but, but he made them, and people heard them, and I heard them, and they hurt. And, 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 and honestly... The only way I could cope with it was the understanding that he's going to go his way and I'm going to go my way. We're going to graduate from school. He's going to go one way. I'm going to go another way. We are never going to see each other again. And for about 25 or 30 years, that worked just fine. Thank you very much. Because I didn't see him. And then one day, through a series of events, his life Reinteracted with my life. And now suddenly, I'm in a space where, where I, I, I have to have a relationship with him. And now suddenly, those things that, I, that I've harbored in my heart, that resentment, that pain, that, that, that sense of being abandoned and forsaken by someone I trusted, suddenly, suddenly now I had to deal with that log in my eye. 
Because for 25 years, I'd been telling people all over the country and all over the world, hey, you know what? Jesus calls us to be merciful and not to judge and not to condemn. And, and he's gracious to us and teaches us how to forgive. And, and listen, I was forgiven all y'all. You hadn't hurt me. But he had hurt me. And I wasn't sure I could let, let my heart do that. And the Holy Spirit really began to work in me. And I have to tell you something. Learning to say the words, I forgive, those are, those are hard words to really mean when someone has scarred you at your very soul. But God is good and grace is deep and mercy is wide. And in the dialogue, as our lives now reinteracted, you know what I discovered? He didn't know he had ever hurt me at all. In fact, it reminded me of a, something I'd heard years ago from somebody. For those of you who are so worried about what the rest of us think about you, we don't. We just don't think about you. You're worried about what everybody else thinks about you, and you've got to know something. They're not thinking about you. Well, how do you know, Pastor? Because they're all thinking about themselves. That's the society we live in. And yet you've got this internal thing worried about what does he say or she say. Or what. No, listen, they're not talking. They don't, they don't, he, 25 years plus, he hadn't thought about me at all. But I had thought about him every time my pain happened. Can I tell you something? When Jesus says, judge not so you won't be judged. Condemn not so you won't be condemned. Forgive so you will be forgiven. Oh, my goodness. You see, mercy runs into grace, and it takes both mercy and grace to make us whole. If we want a whole life, one that begins with love and one that has a clear vision of who we are and where we are and who God is and where he is and what he's doing, then we have to be people who are marked by mercy and marked by grace. And I'm telling you, I realize it's hard if you've been hurt, if you've been abandoned, if you've had your trust violated. But what I know is, Jesus says that he can do that for you. Because the next thing he tells us is that a whole life is marked by generosity which gives. G generosity that, that, that because of the mercy we receive, because of the grace we've received, now no longer are we people who live in fear that we won't have enough. No longer do we have a, a kind of poverty mentality that, oh, I've got to keep this because I don't know what's going to happen next. No, no, listen. When, when you have this generosity, you learn what it means to give. And when you learn what it means to give, it will be given to you. That's what Jesus said. Judge not. You know, we, we got a lot of people in culture. Oh, don't judge me. Don't condemn me. Please forgive me. But then don't understand what it means that when, when you're not judged and you're not condemned and you are forgiven, it means that you in turn, there's a reciprocity. Then you become a person who doesn't judge and you become a person who doesn't condemn and you become a person who forgives because you give what you have received and you have received mercy and grace 
and from the generous love of God. And then, then Jesus slides in a statement, a, a statement that, that a lot of us are afraid of, to be real honest with you. We're afraid of it because of its implications, but also because some people have misused it over the years in the church. But when you understand that it, this statement is connected to judgment and, and not judging and not condemning and, and forgiving and giving, then suddenly this statement makes a whole lot more sense. The statement is simply this, that you will receive with the measure to which you have been given. The whole life is, is measured by the way we measure others. I mean, look, look at the statement. What he says is you'll receive good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and it will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now what Jesus is doing when he makes that statement to the crowd is he is using an illustration from their culture. You see, in their culture, if you went to buy grain, you didn't have a regulatory system that would make sure that if you're buying three pounds of grain, you're getting three pounds of grain. Because people would cheat on the weights and they'd make different sized bowls. But what he does is he uses the, the image of, of a, a trustworthy, honest merchant who sold grain. Because here was the process. He said, first of all, he's gonna use a good measure. He's, he's, it's gonna be true, it's gonna be accurate. It's not gonna be falsified. But when, when they would do that, he said, you're gonna get good measure, what? Pressed down. So when you went to buy grain from an honest merchant in the marketplace in the first century in Jerusalem where these people live, you would go to the man who had the grain and he would take a bowl. It would not be a glass bowl like this one, just so you know. I got this one so you could see it and see the effect. Because what he would do, that merchant, is he would pour until you thought, well, you know, that, that, looks, that looks right, that looks fair. But then he would take and he would press the grain because between the grain, there's pockets of air. And if you really want to get everything you paid for in there, because it was sold by the, by the bowl or by the bucket, then he wanted to get you everything that you actually paid for. You would get as much grain, and it would be a good measure, and he would physically do what I'm doing. It's not sanitary, but he would do it, all right? He would press the grain down, trying to remove all the air pockets. And after he pressed it for a little while, then he would take it, and he would shake it. He would, he would shake it again just to get everything mixed together and not have the air pockets between it. And then he would press it some more. And then after he pressed it some more, and then after he'd shake it a little bit more, he would take and he would pour more in. Now, right now, if I tell you, you look at this and you think, this can't fit in there, can it? You look at it and go, no, that's not going to fit. Watch this. Would I be doing this if it wouldn't? 
Because what he would do next is he would pour that grain into the bowl. And as he poured that grain, he'd take it and he'd press it down. And as he'd press it down, after he got it pressed together really good, he'd take it and shake it. Make sure he's getting everything, all the air pockets out of it. And then at some point, he would actually take a stick and he'd stuff it in there in order to get like air pockets out and he'd press it down again. And then he'd shift it around a little bit more, shake it, good measure, press down, shaking together. And then he, he would fill it to where it, it looks like it's going to overflow. And as he'd start pressing it down again, he's getting you as much grain in your bowl that you're going to take away as he can possibly do. But what's also happening is that in the first century, when men, the clothing that men wore, had a wrap that came over the top of it, and it created, just by the folds in the cloth, it created a little bit of a, of a pocket, if you would, in the front. And when, when he would press this down to the point that now, now it's overflowing the bowl, then the part that overflowed would end up in his lap. And if and, and, and then he would take and shake that back into it. And what Jesus is saying is this. If you can be merciful as I am merciful, a mercy that does not judge or condemn, but forgives and gives. If your life can be marked with mercy and grace, even to those who hurt you, if you can be generous and not afraid that you're not going to have enough, you will discover that God is like the good merchant who makes sure that you get everything you paid for and actually you will get more because it will overflow. Good measure. Press down shaken together for as you measure grace and mercy and generosity it will be measured to you and if you have been the recipient of mercy and grace and generosity it is God's design that you become an agent of mercy grace and generosity, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, because as you measure, it will be measured to you. So take the log out of your eye, listen to the teachings of your rabbi, and don't be blind following the blind. Would you pray with me? Abba, Papa, Heavenly Father, forgive us 
for receiving mercy and not giving it. Forgive us for receiving grace and not sharing it. Forgive us for being people who have received out of your amazing generosity and have refused to be generous even with what you've provided to us. This day, check our vision. Remove the barriers that our own failure has placed in front of us and let us see you and your people clearly. For it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. If you're on campus, I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. And as we sing today, I'm gonna ask you to take just a minute. In fact, I think I want it to be a little higher for some of you. As we sing, this is your life. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. That's who you are. Be merciful, be gracious, be generous. But if there's a log in your eye, this is a great day to let the Holy Spirit take it out of your eye and make you like this. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and giving and receiving from the heart of God. Let's worship together.
that you would send Jesus, your son, to be our savior. That he would not just teach us words, but he would show us a life marked by mercy and grace and generosity. And that he wouldn't just give us a goal to shoot for, but that he would, he would allow your spirit, Holy Spirit, you would be the one who would come into our hearts and our lives to convict us of the places where we failed, to guide us in the places we need to go, to comfort us in the midst of our pain and our sorrow. So today, we do ask you to take the log out of our eye and let us see clearly how to follow you. For it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray.